microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Before we get into the intro music that we all love and enjoy, working on it right on a high. This episode, amazing, breathtaking. And Epic. One might go so far as to say fantastic. With as historic as this episode is, because of what gets revealed. What, we couldn't what, edit it down. We could not. So... <clears throat> This is that rare Marvel Max. Hey, get to work that in. Hey. This is our Marvel Max episode issue. You know, I never I never it's thought Mar- I would get to be in a Marvel Max. Okay. It's a Marvel. I loved every one of those. This is a Marvel Max issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. So send your kids into the other room to play Spider-Man on the PlayStation. Sit back and relax and listen to this awesome epic, dare I say, conversation. I can't even call it an interview it's more just a stream of consciousness conversation it, it, it honestly it feels like there was a pe- bunch of people hanging out and somebody just dropped a microphone right there in the middle of it that's yeah. pretty much what it, what happened and, and and to pretty much paraphrase a line in the movie you know there they are the fantastic war forgive the interruption but i believe this requires your attention Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. (laughs) (laughs) It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Guru. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. Welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. This one's kind of special for us. It is the Intrepid Trio, Kylan, Eric, and myself, Mike. And we are also joined by the Fantastic Four. Marvel Geeks! It's not the one with Jessica. Oh, shoot. I what's forgot her, her name. name? Alba. <laughs> yes. Alba. Yeah. Jessica That's Alba. That's good. Jessica, what's your name? Talking about total <laughs> mind blank. And it's not the latest one that we commonly refer to as the fantastic flop, but it is the original 1994 Roger Corman's fantastic forecast with Rebecca Staub. Alex, hi, hi. Alex, hi, hey, right? Hey. Hi. Jay I'm Underwood. Look, look. Hey there. Carl Ciafalia. Insert applause. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Joseph Culp. 
Mr. Dr. Doom himself. Yeah, don't call him Mr. Doom. He <laughs> <laughs> and director Oli Sesson. Yay! Did we miss anyone? Yeah, you're right. This is like a historic Look, say, interview. I, was, I, I wasn't kidding. <laughs> historic interview because this is the most number of people Look. we have had together for for an, uh, for a recording yes. of of this podcast. He, yeah, and, I, I want to make sure nobody gets left out here. So this is cool. Roger Corman's Fantastic Four, we know, is the movie that completely made, went through promotion and marketing, and then pulled at the last minute. I guess let's start back in the beginning. How did you guys get cast for this particular movie? We needed to start work on Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much the story. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brother, that is so true. (laughs) Like, hurry up. We got to get this movie shot before the end of the year, before Christmas. Come on, let's go. (laughs) You know, it was one one of the really few times where if you don't ask any questions in the audition, you're already on the short list, you know? <laughs> I think they asked me, are you willing to dye your hair? Yes. Great. You got the part. <laughs> what a lot of blonde? Yeah, I had to go blonde. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> you never know. I don't have anything now. <laughs> it was one audition, I think, almost for all of us, and which was great about independent films, especially yeah. with Roger, because Roger would trust Steve Rabiner, who ran his studio, who would trust Oli. And it was one audition which is always great. The worst thing you can do is try to string together three or four auditions until they offer somebody else the part. So it was it was just, a, you know, it was just the right time, I think, for all of us. Well, Indeed, that, brother. Uh, I, I, I remember it being, you know, a t- complete surprise, first of all, that they're making a fantastic four. You know, I couldn't, couldn't quite believe that that was going to happen. Roger Corman. And, you know, I had uh, visions of Attack of the Crab Monsters, you know. Uh, but, <laughs> but I was excited. And uh, it was a rainy day. Uh, and I put on this big oilskin duster that uh, I, I got from my dad once in Australia. And I went in and, and Ole said, just, you know, go. Just go all the way. All the way. And he was just such a great support. And that was that was the risk that every actor wants to. I can really, really go for it. And you know, it rests is a strange chapter of history, um, but very gratifying. Now we we talked briefly before show, so I guess we'll hit it real quick. Now it was. Um, mentioned that y'all cannot work for any other Marvel projects, but yet Alex, we have as who appeared on Agents of Shield as Lord Thornley. I never, well, I, I never heard. I never about. heard that we couldn't. Okay, I apologize. I misheard. I figured I would never work for them again. <laughs> Well, you know, I think if you just sort of start with people who were in power later on with Marvel, who had visited us on the set and were supportive, who were later on record saying, well, no, that may, that movie never should have been made, that there, that was implied that there was a sort of an official distance between mm-hmm. this project and the Marvel universe, which certainly wasn't the case then, because Marvel was, you know, oh. on oxygen, being run by a New York um, money manager. And uh, so Marvel's fortunes, I think, I think sort of wanted wanted us to
to stay lo- literally locked in the vault. And Oli worked really hard to try to get this movie released, and we came down right to the wire. Well, you, you know, guys all worked hard too, Alex. You guys well, did. And a fun- you guys did the tour, but that could come out later, I guess, in this interview. But you guys worked really hard too to get this movie released. Right. Well, thank. Yeah, we did. There was just you know there was an embarrassment about this film. I think that that yeah. you know. Yeah. So when when I just I, I got a little part on Marvel's Agents of Shield, to me it felt like a big victory. But and it was a way of sort of saying that we're eligible to work in the Marvel universe again. You know why can't like they did with Mary Poppins? Why can't they have little yeah. cameos of people? Who knows? Yeah, but it doesn't really. Well, matter. I mean the Emily Blunt Mary Poppins or the Yondu yeah, Odonta one. Mary Poppins because we we kind of have to clarify now. Well, I mean, they had Angela Lansbury, they had Dick Van Dyke, and, you know, they had people come back in, is what I'm saying, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Well, it's all going to be, we'll see. I mean, now that, uh, right, it's Disney is going to reboot everything, so yeah. we'll see what happens, won't we? Yeah, that's true. Maybe we'll have some friends over there. You know? Oli, do you think that the, do you think that there's a negative somewhere in, like, the Arizona desert or something? <laughs> Uh, Germany. It's in Germany, for sure. Well, look, uh, look, I I don't know if if I told you guys this or not. And and I'll I'll share this with everybody now because it's been a a few months. But I went back to Los Angeles and I met with Robert Kultzer at Constantine Film. And uh, look. I hate, I don't want to like to give away the secrets of a dead man, but, you know, Bernd Eichinger, he he asked me to come over to his house after this whole debacle, and he, you know, I sat at the dining room table with him and then had tea with him, and the, and, I, and literally it was the same dining room table where he, you know, God rest him, you know, dropped dead of a heart attack. And but he was at least he was gracious and he was telling me, you know, what had happened and why it happened and so on and so forth. And he helped me get a job for a film that I directed in German in a German language, actually in Prague after that, which was the, one of the best experiences of my life, frankly, uh, aside from the fantastic four. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I'm, I'm sorry. So Alex asked, asked me again, what was the question? What do you guys <laughs> want to know? Do you think the negative or some answer print? Um, uh, do you think the negative or some answer print actually there lives where they could negative. make, where they, you know, where they could make copies? Yeah, uh, look, I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, but I talked to Robert, and he said to me they went to the screening of the first Fantastic Four film that they were they watched it at at, at the studio at 20th Century Fox, and wow. they came out of the theater, the screening room at Fox after they saw the first screening of the first Fantastic Four movie after our version, and Bert Eichinger turned to Robert and said to him, "Oli's version was better." <laughs> That's cool. Wow. I haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> and I never wanted to say it because out of respect for the man who's passed away and. It was kind of a secret, you know, that he that's cool. Holy, that's had a confidence cool. yeah. that he told me that. And I, when he when when Robert told me that, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding, guys. I nearly burst out into tears I hear it. Wow. because I thought, holy shit. Yeah. You know, we got a little vindication and there's a lot behind the politics of this whole project with Fox and Constantine and the powers that be. And I can't I don't want to tell everything that the man was thinking about and the personal stuff that he was thinking about in regards to working with a studio in Hollywood. 
Hollywood and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. it, it was just, the, it was like the he shared some a beautiful story with me. And mm-hmm. look, mm-hmm. you know what? It wasn't them so much as it was just the circumstances. It sure. was just a, it was one of those things. These guys were in a situation where they had to hang on to a franchise. They mm-hmm. called Roger Corman. Roger called me. It's just the way it all fell together. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I, who, you know, regardless of what the plan was or 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 the plan to, to keep everything a big secret from us, mm-hmm. you know, if we look back at it sometimes. And, and years ago, I, I used to think, what a bunch of scumbags to do something like this to us but you look at the circumstances and it was like okay i get it but for that for him to say that yeah. let it let me know that he came out of that screening room at fox and said our version our version he may have used my name but guys it was you and it was all of your work and everybody's work he said it was that film was better yeah, and, and if there's any, if there's I, any I, vindication that that hasn't that wasn't just said from Bert, but that's what we've heard for thirty years almost yeah. from the, the comic yeah. buying public is that <laughs> is that your version stays closest to the storyline, stays closest to the comic, yeah. has the heart of the comic, even if we didn't have the money for the effects of the comic, right? Yeah. But the, yeah. the heart and soul and the characters and the and the writing, it was there. And and that's something that we keep hearing to this day I, I, from you, you know all yeah. kinds of And you know, Jay, Joseph is my witness to this. I told Joseph this a couple weeks ago when I had him over on Weeby Geeks that y'all's Fantastic Four, in my opinion, has been the best because exactly what you said is the closest to the source material. Mm Mm-hmm. Even and that's, I and that's what fans care about, yeah. you know. Yeah, fans, the, yeah the, they do. And that's right. The one cheesy, cheesy laser beam going through could be <laughs> overlooked because of the fact that you're close to the source material, and that and seeing the laser beams going across felt like I was looking at panels in a comic book. There you go, man. Yeah, that's exactly right. My first experience. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say it was fun. And I just remember seeing the first Fantastic Four and it was more a story about how the director felt sort of handcuffed. And anyway, our film was fun, warts and all. And I think the audience that 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 remembers it or talks about it, it was something in their youth that was fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that, you know, I look, that, look, that goes back to Oli's Oli's pep talk to us when we all got together before oh. filming and Oli had us all over to his house. And he said, guys, we all know what we're up against in terms of the money, you know, in effects. So here's what we're wow. going to do. You know, we are going to make the best movie possible with the things that we have control over. We have control over our characters and the characters that we play and, and the acting involved in the directing to uh, to the degree of, of the money that you have. And and uh, and these kind of creative elements. So we will do our our darndest to just make that the best that we can. And man, and everybody signed on and got on board. And and that's what we did. And you guys, you guys, you guys did the research. You guys came in so well prepared. You guys, I, I don't know what you did, but you guys all came in so well prepared you knew those characters inside and out and i just you know it was a it was a 
great collaborative effort. It really was. Well, I, I will say. That's, uh, that's all I can say. You guys were all great cast, man. You Carl, guys were wonderful. Carl Stang, I would put down as probably the best Roger Corman-looking creature out of all his <laughs> yeah, films. You bet. Yeah, yeah but that's where they put the money. They put the money in the in the characters, uh, and and uh, uh, it, it, they they stayed they stayed true to the comic book. You know, back to what we were saying earlier. Um, you know, Michael Bailey Smith played Ben Grimm and, and did a hell of a job with it, and was uh, was kind and and professional as an actor to uh, help guide me through some of the motions and movements that he needed to uh, uh, to have as as uh, as the thing. So. So, and again, you know, uh, it's um, a, 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 a crew is only as good as the captain, and and our captain was phenomenal. Amen. And, and yeah. Well, thank uh, you, man. But uh, Carl, Carl, I can remember, dude, you sweat your ass off of that thing. <laughs> that Robert suit was so freaking hot and uncomfortable. Yeah, and that was the were, hottest but, thing ever. But I got to tell you, brother, you were a trooper, and you embodied the thing so well. Your 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 body movement, your mannerism, accompanied with the guys like John Vulich, unfortunately, has passed away. But they built into that head with servo motors back then. This is not oh, CGI. Wow. They wow. built into the head servo motors that could accomplish the emotion of what the thing was all about. He could go clobber in time, and then he could go and put his hand. Let let Alicia Masters put his her hand on his face and almost like start bursting into tears. And they accomplished that in rubber. Wow. Yeah, they, they say, Mike, you see this kind of passion this man has. This is contagious. Wait. This is contagious, and this is what. Honestly, God, this is what what makes you get through a Roger Corman picture. You know, is that absolutely? Is that I, I'm not. I'm not gonna say. I'm not going to say just this man. First time, I I had Mark and Marty, uh, the guys who did Doom, the untold story. I had them on Weeby Geeks. And I I reached out to them after seeing all you guys on Geekscape many years ago uh, with Jonathan London. Jonathan, yeah. Who has become a a friend of mine. Um, It's the passions from you guys then and the different interviews that I've read with you guys. It's not just Oli. Oli definitely has conveyed all that down to you guys as well. Y'all's passion for this project. Everybody. Yeah. And, and I think to, to hear fans talk about this, it, it's carried through to us, the fans as well. You know, it's an interesting point too about, about passion. You know, where, how can you maintain passion in a film project? You know, uh, indie projects have that. Uh, you know, the fact that the first Fantastic Four, even Baron Eichinger says, yeah, it wasn't as good. You know, you wonder, because when you get all the money and all the stuff, it all gets very corporate. It all gets very huge. And you wonder where passion might go. But, you know, it, it goes without saying that every single person on our film wanted to be there. And they right. wanted to make it work and ha- make it happen. I mean, when I would walk out of the dressing room, they would literally start chanting, doom, doom. <laughs> it was wild. It was like that. He made us do that. <laughs> While it's still on my mind, quick question for Carl and Joseph. How long did it take you guys to get in the suit? 
Carl, uh, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, the, the thing is, is they 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 built the suit for me, so it it was two or three weeks of body casts and um, measurements and sizes and and a piece at a time. But but to step into the to step into the suit, it was only about twenty minutes. Everything was was rubber and and velcro, and uh, there was no there was no cool suit underneath. There was no airflow. Um, if I if I wanted to get some air, I had to open the mouth, and they stuck a fan in my face. So so that was the deal. But it, it didn't take very long to uh, to get in it at all for me because it was all um, it was all in pieces, and I had two heads: one a rubber head to to do the stunts and go through the walls. And uh, and the other was the uh, the RC head with the with the movements in it. So um, again, for me, not very long. Uh, Joseph. Yeah, um, eh, it's kind of similar. Once we got it down, you know, once we got a kind of rhythm to it, um, they took casts of every almost every part of my body. Um, <laughs> who, uh, rather well, and had a suit under that, and then they, you know, it was like that too. It was pieces of really hard plastic. All the plate, and then the breastplate, and then the mask. When the mask went on, that was like it was over. Like now I'm in. Uh, hey, oh wow, that, man, who's oh. that? Oh wow, I think that's where Alex. is that coming from? It's Alex. That's a picture I have of my boys. Well, wow, uh, that's so cool. My boy man. and his friend years ago. Yeah. So we're looking. Yeah. At I mean, a, that honestly looks like it's straight see. from the page to the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, that looks good. It is, so, huh? For those who don't see it, we're looking at a picture of the the mask of the thing and of Doctor Doom, which Alex. Ah, so cool. Pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. But um, that face is so good. Yeah. Anyway, to to finish the piece about the suit, it was uh, once it was on, it was on. Um, I didn't want to take it off, and I sweat profusely. And uh, and it's been written about many times that it it, it was not comfortable. It's not a comfortable. That added somehow to the performance. Now we're looking at a picture of Alex full head. Yeah. No, that's, that's actually Carl. Oh, is that like, Carl? No, that's, uh, that's, that's, really that's Alex's job. Well. I don't. Oh, thank you. B and J, I can see it. What's that? It's not your shirt, Gabe. Yes. It's a fantastic. <laughs> cool. Fantastic four shirt on. Cool. I know. I still have some of the t-shirts and sweatshirts that whoever made them. You know what's the time? That's what I have. You're welcome. The show because I bought extra ones. Someday I'm going to be glad. I want to be. I keep holding on to them, thinking they'll be worth something sometime. Oh yeah, they will be. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I'll be on. Like, I I go to my share of cons, and when I go through the the vendor hall, there's always somebody selling videos, and there's always Corbin's Fantastic Four. There. <laughs> That's how and, I found about the movie as well. And, I actually, and I found out about it from my comic shop. My my comic book guy was talking about the movie, and I told him I'd never seen it. He, he pops out a copy. He says, "Bring this back next week." And I watched it. And I was just like, "Wow!" Like, like I think honestly, the thing that I carried with me was 
And this was something that I, it, it disappointed me that none of the other movies ever did this, but the way you explained the reason why the, the uh, everybody got their powers the way they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. Yeah, strength. That's me. I mean, that's just, it's just got a good message. You know, I mean, I think ours was the only real buddy film yeah. that, you know, yes. we were buddies and we were close and we were a team. And then I agree. I mean, the message is to, you know, that your weaknesses really are your greatest strength. And yes. I think that, yeah, I mean, that's, there, there's never not a time that that's a good message. It's always a good message. That's, that's right. one of the best lines of the movie for me. And now that it's out on YouTube, I thought, well, you know what? I, I was watching this right before we, we all got online to, to watch it. And it's kind of like, uh, then all of a sudden Joseph says, Hey, we're ready to go. And I'm going like, crap, I got to cut this off in the middle of doom's greatest monologue. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll echo what has been said. The thing that struck me and my first experience with this was of course at a convention, I got pressed into doing uh overnight security room in the vendor hall and the dealer says, Hey, you can watch anything on my stuff. And of course, what does he have? He has the Jerry Springer uncensored video, but he also had the Fantastic Four. A double feature. <laughs> Essentially, it was. It's like two, three o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting here watching this. And it, one thing that struck me was the heart. I mean, it's like these people get it. Yeah. These people get these characters. And the, the whole thing, since, since I found out we were going to be able to chat together, my, my biggest question was, y'all must have been fans of these characters before. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to know, I mean, is, is that the case? I mean, were you fans of these characters growing I knew, up? And I, I see- knew virtually nothing about it. I knew the name, the Fantastic <laughs> Four. And uh, my manager and agent were like through the roofs. They were like, you, you're playing Johnny Storm. I'm like, who's who's that? <laughs> They're like, what do you mean, who's that? So I had, to, I had to go get the comics and start, you know, exploring and figuring this stuff out. That was that was me. Yeah, it was it was it was it was actually brand new. I like the ca- cartoon, the Fantastic Four cartoons. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. it either. And so for me, the you know, the, the first best reaction was when I saw him. I'm like, oh, like she looks like me. I look like her. Just, <laughs> uh, uh, but I think, well, you know, school, I mean, the story that that I, I tell, so forgive me for those of you who hear it all the time. I mean, the first thing that I think it worked like so the, the five of us are so much like the characters in real life anyway, that there's we each have qualities about us as people that they, the the of casting and bringing us together and you know even the passion of coming together it was it was fed as a group and built as a group and orchestrated as a group that everybody their individual instrument for the character but everybody really was kind of like their character in real life anyway of course you know as dr doom i always wanted world domination and <laughs> take over the entire world this comes as absolutely no surprise it was to just me a part made to order yeah no but i I, I did know about, you know, as a kid uh, growing up in the 60s, I knew about Fantastic Four. I had read some of the comics. I, I, I was more of a monster fan, you know, more like universal horror and all that. But I when I saw that this was going to happen and that I was called in, I was like, I'm, I'm totally down with this. But I definitely, like everybody else, I think, you know, went into uh, research mode. 
went into actor mode and exactly said, exactly i'm gonna be the expert on dr doom yeah. by the end of this and that i think everybody in the cast died. well i remember walking were, out of the audition and only said to me go ahead rebecca i think that there was there had to be that commitment going in that you know you saw you saw in each of us in the room and um and every day after that mm. and you still know, the, the, the tendency can be with a low budget film too and and as extremely low and independent is that you can just call it in you know you could just oh this isn't going to be anything that's going to do anything for my career and uh, it's just a, a quick deal or a, a little little extra cash at the holidays kind of thing but yet no <laughs> none of us none of us had that attitude everybody saw it as uh, as as a possible you know one sure a career stepping stone for any and all of us but we all took it seriously and again that was only leading the way with that oh. and nobody phoned it in everybody Everybody, you know, really wanted to make it the best we could and teamed up together. And so so the heart went into it. And, and there wasn't a weak link there in that regard. Everybody was just, you know, on the same page. And that's why we were able to do what we did. So what was the reaction? Well, I, I was a I was a I was a Spider Spider-Man fan first, Fantastic Four second. And Roger called me and said, you know, Oli, would you uh, like to do a movie about the Fantastic Four? And I said, <laughs> hell yeah! And the first thing I did was go. I went down to the Golden Apple Comics on Melrose <clears throat> and bought the, the the reproduction of the very first number one comic from Fantastic Four. And then I bought the hard, all the hardbound copies of the, all, every Fantastic Four comic book. They, they sold them in hardbound copy and in yeah. books. So just to do the research, and and I was just so thrilled. But that's where it started. But going back to the to what Joseph was saying, what everybody, Jay and everybody, Rebecca and and Alex, it's like you guys really did the homework and did the research. And I'll tell you why. Not only did I know that when we were making the film, but afterwards when there was a screening of like a five or ten minute loop of something that we showed at the Shrine Auditorium from the comic book convention. And then there was a, a Q&A with Fantastic Four fans and comic book fans of the, of the Marvel Universe. And they were literally lined up outside the door of that room. Thank God you guys knew what you were talking about when it came to, in regards to your characters. Because those guys were asking some tough questions, man. <laughs> and I remember some dude in a pith helmet, a pith helmet. That was, I mean, that guy was like, oh my God, he was asking so much stuff about Dr. Doom and, and, and <laughs> thank God you guys had done your homework because you covered everything, man. It was great. Great. But that's how I got into doing the little research for being able to do more about But I, I was a big Fantastic Four fan and obviously the animated Saturday morning cartoon. So yeah, yeah I remember yeah. those. Anyway, that's my story. When, yeah. you, when you guys were doing research uh, and going to the comic book shops, why not? Did anyone get tipped off and ask why are you buying so much Fantastic Four material? <laughs> I don't remember anybody asking me that question. I, I may have volunteered the information to the guy at the comic book store because I felt like, hey, man, I'm doing a movie about the Fantastic Four. What do you think of that, man? But, you know, I may have said that in bragging or something. And and uh, he, he probably responded, yeah, man, that's really cool, man. That's really it seems cool. to me, It seems to me that the 
excitement that you because I knew nothing about uh, about uh, Fantastic Four, but it seems to me that that when you would mention it around, the people on the outside who knew about it would be extremely excited, like Jay was saying. Now, you know, agents and managers and and comic book geeks, everybody was just like, "Oh my God, Fantastic Four. So so you want to tend to look into it and go, "Yeah, I guess I guess I better take a look at this." You know, see see what it is that we're really doing here. And um and uh, and it became um it became a, a, a it became fun for us I think when we got to set because the set was um was what it was and the budget was what it was it, it was a lot of fun just throwing things around and 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 breaking through walls and um and uh, uh, just out by the by the campfire <laughs> yeah you know I mean um, yeah yeah uh, good we all just having fun maybe we didn't know any better but um, um, it was uh, it was a it was a fun time, and I think maybe because it was new, the characters were so new for all of us that it, we paid attention. You know, we paid attention to what that means. There was a sense for me. I bought a lot of back issues uh, to, to study it, and I and I went into I I got some theater space, and I went in there and started working physically. There was a sense of really wanting to 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 do right by this you know that wasn't that it i mean wanting to honor the legacy yeah. of this thing like we've got to do this right you know Indeed. as yeah. beautiful as the comic Indeed. and, I, and think that, I think everybody was on that that kind of frequency and to that point kind of it's uh something that i noticed watching this evening uh there's that scene where he where doom has gone to the jeweler and all of the jeweler's minions, I guess, for family, whatever you want to call it, they're all, they've all whipped out their guns. They're shooting at Doom. And of course, you know, the bullets are flying off. And then when all the dust settles, I mean, Doom just reaches over and just brushes off some, <laughs> some bullets that were still there. And that's just like, that is so totally a Doom move. Yes. I mean, it's just. Can I say something? Joseph, you got to remember Joseph Joseph grew up in Venice. Yeah, but Joseph, you you were positively Shakespearean, man. You did. (laughs) You you really were. Your your mannerisms and everything about everything you did was was it was just beautiful, man. You kept saying, "Holy, you know." I I just I wanted to just do what I saw in in these you know this incredible artwork. Panel, you know, where Doom had this kind of power and this, these gestures, and that, you know, and only you did it. Right. And he said, you know, like think about Mussolini, think about, top, you know, <laughs> you know how big he was and up there, and, and I, you know, and every actor is always afraid of, of being fake, you know, and unreal. And you have oh to be really cross that line and say, well, I believe it. So they will too. And that's, oh my God. Holy was right was right with me on that, you know. God, Mussolini, I never would have put it there, but it's so, it, it, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Well, I mean, but Doom thinks he's God's <laughs> gift to everything. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I you hit Doom like right on the head, like I like I honestly every every Doom after has been a disappointment in my yeah. opinion because yeah. oh yeah because I like Doom he only in his in his mind he's the greatest there ever is ever was ever will be and he is Shakespearean and he doesn't understand why nobody else is you know he's <laughs> that's just how I see it you know you know see, he's I, like Reed you're doing it wrong see, I, you know? I would almost Man. I would almost want to adjust that comment about God's gift everyone. <laughs> No, Doom. Doom. I've always felt 
was he thought he was God's gift to himself. <laughs> and that's how I saw Joseph portray it. That's right. <laughs> a lot I thought you were trying to prove to be coming up that they're going to work on a Doom movie. There's been one in the works for years, apparently yeah. at Fox, and now Disney's going to, you know, possibly take that up. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, I heard well, I mean, uh, read articles about it anyway. My, my son is a huge fan, so he always sends me everything. <laughs> well, I, I want to jump ahead just a little bit. Movie's been canned. Uh, y'all have done the press tours. Y'all have done everything. Movie gets shelved, canned, put in the vaults. Then all of a sudden, I'm I'm assuming, I'm a big assumption here, that you guys are now starting to get calls to appear at conventions for this film. And you're getting love from the fans and people going, this film was awesome. What was y'all's first reaction? Wow. Well, I remember it took about... Uh, years. 10 years or something yeah. for that to happen. I mean, in the meantime, you would hear little things. Uh, I don't know if everybody could back me up on this or not with their experience, but, you know, first there were, I knew we knew there were VHSs going around. Um, and and remember that comic book culture at that time was still underground. It wasn't mainstream. Yeah, right. A decade or so for that to kick in with the advent of Marvel films and so forth. And so... I think it was somewhere in the early 2000s or something when we finally, I remember a time when we all got called to a comic book store uh, somewhere here in LA and we all, and we showed up and they wanted to talk to us about the Fantastic Four movie. And I thought it was the first time we had been back together. It was somewhere over yeah. here in the valley. I think. But that began mm-hmm. to me the, the next wave, which was like there had been enough years where this thing had yeah. been passed around. And as I, I love to say, I think more people have seen the movie now than would have yep. ever seen it yeah. had it been released. Yep. Actually, yes. yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, millions of people have seen the film now. I would, I, yeah. I would think without a doubt. So, th- so then it began. Then we started getting invited to cons, and you know, kind of yeah, that we never at the time imagined that it would turn into this. We had a different picture about what it would be, but I don't think any of us thought of this. And <laughs> I know, you know, hey. it's, great. You just go, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's neat, and it makes me wish. That, I mean, that I had paid more attention, that I had saved more things that you know you would take taken more mental notes because none of us knew at the time mm. that this would happen. No. You know, we knew other stuff would happen over there. Go on and we've got to have the, you know, the sequel and then the, you know. Steal the props and sell them on eBay. Yeah, like, like we were. <laughs> 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 yeah, 20 to 22, 23 years later. Yeah. You think, you think 22 or 23 years later from now, they're going to be talking about the first Fantastic Four movie no. that they released after hours? Mm. Here's what I can tell you about that. You when was it? 94? 93, 94? Yeah, was it? We made it in 93. Did you guys yeah, ever... Yeah, we made it did, in um, 93. Yeah, 93, 94, yeah. yeah. Did, did any of you ever watch um, Arrested Development? Because no, yes. there was... I saw the clip. I didn't see it. I saw the clips. The clip, yes. Yeah, I... As I was watching, you know, I, I was watching this watching this, this series at the time, and then you know, all of a sudden they find, I guess they find all your props in this back lot, and I was like, huh? I was like, are we? I was like, is this real? And and and, and I think especially one of things suits which had not been in the best repair. It it, it was it it was it was a. Uh, 
was an homage. A bit of an homage. It really yeah. was. Yes, it was. And I got this urge to go back and watch the movie after that. But oh, yeah, I, I was surprised. I mean, and, that was like a deep cut, you know? <laughs> and and Conan. You remember Conan showed a clip from our film on his show? Did yes, you know he did. That? Conan did. And it was the scene with the thing. And he goes, Reed, what have you done? Wah! Oh my God. <laughs> he that. I the residuals that. are flying in, guys. The residuals. Part of pop culture is what you're saying. Hey, yes, you have. Yes, yeah. I, I, I was going around telling all my friends, "Hey, guess who I'm going to be interviewing?" Yeah. <laughs> you know. No, it was neat. I mean, the neatest thing was when we were in St. Louis yeah, for the contamination. Yeah. We actually saw it because you know we'd all seen bad first screen. And then the DVD that I had would only play on my computer. It wouldn't play like on my DVD player, like for whatever reason. And so, you know, you'd either seen bad VHS or, you know, a screen this big. And so the time that we were all together with an audience with incredible sound, I mean, it was a completely different movie. And that's where I mean, it was, it was good. It was funny. That yeah, there's a whole manifestation that mm. still exists with that movie that only those of us in the room that night saw because it really has a life outside of all of the bad <laughs> versions. That, that was a, that's, it's good. So, so in answer, Mike, I guess to your question about what was it like, you know, that was kind of a, you know, I think we, we started getting invited to, to con. We went to the St. Louis where they literally, the guy literally screened the film in a big ballroom with at least 100, 150 people. Oh, at least. And and we yeah. got to have the experience. He, he said, well, what are they going to do? Talking? Bring it on, you know, and and we got to have that experience, which was terribly, you know, wow. gratifying yeah. moment. Long and uh, it played. I mean, only it plays. It plays big and it, it plays, plays good and it plays it's, fun. It's, yeah. And then we uh, that was, that was cool, man. Huh? <laughs> That was really cool. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. This is like a a scene from the King of Comedy. Remember that King of Comedy movie? Yeah. Everybody did a great job. Okay. But that was a good experience. Ma, I'm doing my show. The print, the audience enjoyed it. So my oh, yeah. I, Rupert Pumpkin. Yeah, Rupert. <laughs> Rupert Pumpkin. <laughs> it is ready. Ah, come on, I'm doing my show. Well, you know so, something. Right. Let's just uh, just so we don't pass on. Make sure that we say. I just <laughs> uh, look. I, I just want to. I just want to say something about and Stanley and I. After this film, became pretty good friends. And I went to his office, and he called a comic his uh, file cabinet. He called the Femazons that hadn't been published or anything and he he wrote it and Jack Kirby did all the artwork and it was me and Stan Lee went around to the studios I remember going to Paramount Television Universal Studios and uh, Sony and we uh, here I was going around Hollywood with Stan Lee uh, prior to, prior to the big Spider-Man movie coming out and nobody wanted to do anything with Stan Lee and wow. and and, and 
if, but I just want to say Stan, was a, he was such a sweet guy, a nice guy, and he really knew we put our heart and soul into this thing. And he was, and I got to tell you, Stan, even though it wasn't the big films that they made subsequent to what we did, he, he was appreciative to the fact that we all worked so hard. He saw it, you know, mm, he knew cool. it. Mm-hmm. And he was, a, I got to tell you, man, he was a really sweet guy and, and a really nice guy to me and a, as a friend. And he would send me Christmas cards and sign them Stan. And I, I just wanted to put that out there before oh, wow. this conversation about sweet. Stan. Yeah, he was, he was really appreciative, guys. I want to tell you, he never knocked a film. He may have said something in comic book conventions. I met him at one of them. And he came up after me and hugged me and, and, and told me how much he... Anyway, I just yeah. want to let you know, he was really appreciative of the work that we did at the time. I think you can say that, Olin, because he passed yeah, away. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And look, I, I'll tell you... Oh, the, oh, a lot. Go ahead. Well, we owe a lot to Stan. We wouldn't be here, right? Oh, man, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but when we were shooting down at the building downtown, which was the 444 building, yeah. downtown that he came to the set yeah i remember yeah. meeting him yeah man he was down there we, we didn't give him a cameo <laughs> though did we <laughs> no you know what i did ask him yeah oh, yeah he said oh, and yeah. he said no no it's all right i wanted him to walk in the background because you know <laughs> it was like into the hitchcock thing you know hitchcock was always in i said stan why don't you just walk in the background of this scene man going to the door of, the, of that building or something when the jeweler was popping up out of the ground <laughs> right and tweet that the, the manhole cover but he, he didn't want to do it but anyway <laughs> he wasn't he really he, he really appreciated what we tried to do so that's okay now the, see if he marvel said, f- yeah at that point. Just think, that would have been the first Stan Lee cameo. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been, yeah. would have been pretty cool. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> because cool. he didn't do cameos in Howard the Duck either prior to. Yeah. Uh, I was oh, waiting I how long this take is going to take for you to bring him up. <laughs> I think you went to the betting pool. I just, I just did it. <laughs> well, you thought it was going to be sooner? Yeah, I thought it was going to be sooner. <laughs> so if the movie was, was put in the vault, how is the copy that's floating around conventions and now sitting on YouTube? Oli had nothing to do Tell with him, it. Tell him, Oli. <laughs> How did that Tell get him. out? <laughs> Oli had nothing well, to do I, with I it. I have one story about that. Uh, Oli may have. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, Mike Elliott, we had a, the guy, Mike Elliott, who was our producer at, at Corn, was helping us behind the scenes. He was he was handing us stuff footage, I, I mean, uh, raw footage and recams and a camera to go out and shoot little scenes that we wanted to do. For instance, Sweet. the scene of the thing, getting out of, running across the street. And he was sneaking stuff into the post-production um, supervisor's hands to go into the lab, you know, under the radar to help us finish the film. He really Sweet. helped us. And he gave me, I begged him for, for a print of the film so we could do a, a like a telecine negative transfer to tape back then, which would have been really nice or nice pristine copy. But he couldn't do it, so he gave me a three-quarter inch copy. So I made a copy of the film from three-quarter inch to VHS so I could have it at Lightning Dubs. And yeah. it was there one night. One of those one of those video <laughs> guys over there ran off a, a multiple copies of the film. I got my copy, and the guy that was working at Lightning Dubs, God bless him, he ran off a copy. And I that was the copy I'm certain that became 
became the bootleg copy of the Fantastic Four today. Yeah, That's wow. the story I know. Well, I've, yeah. got co- I've got a copy of that VHS. Well, Ola, you did make copies for each of us. Yeah. You, you gave us each one. I think it was on VHS three quarters or something, if I remember. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember exactly what it was, but they would not give us the negative. Right. And 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 I know the story goes, and as you guys may have all heard, but me and the editor, Glenn Garland, went into the vault of, of uh, Roger Corman's film vault, which is really a, where the old lumberyard was that he turned into a studio. And we were in there with a, like a bunch of criminals, a couple of criminals with a flashlight looking mm-hmm. for the for the print of the film. And we were going to steal it. We were going to take that damn print out and and face jail time to get that freaking thing transferred <laughs> like it should have been. But by that time, they, they had already confiscated everything. So it was uh, wow. unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll add to that just totally because I, I know I got a three quarter from you, a copy of the three quarter. Good. I did give that Good. Editor at Lionsgate. I gave it to him in the early 2000s. So it's very cool. possible. And I know he struck, you know, he struck a, a digital print of that. So that might have also gone out and added to the DVDs that eventually got, you know, there's like a master DVD with all kinds I of. I hope so, man. There's all kinds of uh, <laughs> added bonus things on it and all there's that still, stuff. I nice. still have, I mean, the, the never before seen footage because, you know, we shot that mm-hmm. at Christmas and that Christmas I. I got a like a home video camera because they had just come out. So I have got mm. film and I was shooting all this behind the scenes stuff. Sweet. But again, it's like it's packed away mm. like Indiana Jones <laughs> in my storage space, like in literally one of those great big crates that I've got to pay somebody to get into. And I don't even know where in the crate it is, but it does exist. Got to get so it out. One of these times. days. Very cool. I mean, oh, you got to find I'm, that. I'm the the 25th anniversary is coming up. Hey, there you I go. Even, that's funny you said that, Rebecca, because I thought I had done the same. I thought I had shot home video stuff back behind the scenes stuff too, and and I'm I'll have oh to I'll have to look for it sometime and see if that's the case. Please, please yeah, find that. that. This video thing is, is that I don't have any snapshots because when these guys. I'm like, I'll go back. And I went back for everything of that time period. And I normally, I mean, shoot a ton of of, of film. And I didn't have any snapshots because I was doing it all on video. So it's good, but I don't have Mm. it on me physically. So I need to get that. Mm. Excellent. Please do. And I'm sure I have, you know, pictures of like craft services. Well, I got it. That's going to be a short clip. <laughs> yeah, craft service was craft service was generic. bag of potato oh, chips. Yeah. yeah, and potato chips. Van Gogh's ear. Remember Some Van Gogh's ear? Juice boxes. <laughs> yeah. that was the you gotta fight the cockroaches to get at it. What's <laughs> the shit? Mike, hey Mike, Mike. Yes. Put it this way: that 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 film was so blessed that we would actually adjourn to a little coffee shop that was named Van Gogh's Ear. So that was probably a, a good. Uh, <laughs> we were here. Remember that? Yeah. We were here. So y'all, so y'all were able to eat in mono. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So I gotta ask this question. Um, we've been talking about how the film was made and was gone to publicity tour and you know all the way up to just right the finish line it gets yanked back um now i know that uh joseph and alex uh 
you grew up with your dads being famous actors as well. So you basically what I'm asking is, have y'all ever heard of something like that happening to anything else, to any other projects like, say, you know, y'all's dads growing up or or any other films that y'all worked on where it is it, it had the sense that this this film was never intended to be released at all? Well, it follows. I can give you a 30 second answer and then Joseph can tell you the Hollywood version because <laughs> he'll know that. But, you know, it follows the long tradition of having an advance man for sort of regional repertory theater productions. You would, And going back to the dark ages and the actors would only be allowed in churches or whorehouses. And um, you would have somebody go to the next town. And if they didn't get killed, then the troupe would figure, OK, it's safe. Let's go and do a show. And the only the only difference is we really didn't have a show. We were trying to force their hand, but it just seemed like such a natural thing, given the sort of psychic investment we all had. And when Roger gave us a thousand stills and said, look, you guys put it together, Michael and I, and I remembered, I think Jay and Rebecca came and we would put together these comic book appearances and we'd get our airfare back basically but that was the theatrical tradition of basically having an advance man to go out and uh, and beat the bushes sow the seeds and that probably gave Roger and Bernd Eichinger a little more ammunition because we almost pulled it off you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah you're right <laughs> I, I think you know I, I go with Ole's you know assessment now reflecting back over these years that there was so much about the situation. It wasn't, I don't think there was a lot of forethinking about this. Like, yes, we need to keep the rights. Yes, we get Roger Corman to make a movie. We get these guys to make, well, now we've got a movie. Well, what do you do with the movie? Roger Corman will release that movie. It will get released. Oh, but guess what? And I think it's one damn thing after another. And, and then it happened. And then it happened. And what happened, I think, is to answer your first question, I it is a bit unprecedented. It really doesn't happen because yeah. a movie is still a product. It's something to make some money on. Everybody wants to make money. wanted to make money. So it doesn't happen very often. I mean, Jerry Lewis kept back a film um, about himself as a clown in a concentration camp, and he never he, but he he decided not to release that. Mm. It's very rare that something gets stopped. You eat the worst piece of drat, you know, gets released. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and we had a film that by all accounts was certainly watchable and enjoyable. I, I almost want to say, uh, with some fear of, of contradiction, that it, it's unprecedented. This film is quite... Yeah, it is. It, it's really, I can't think of another instance. And, and I, I, I'm a big film geek, and I know a lot about movies. And I've never heard this happening, you know. Some Something didn't get finished. Yes, the money ran out. Yes, all of that is. You know, the other. Orson Welles. And like Rebecca said, there's a lot of truth to that, that this movie has had a, a life now, probably because of the, the story behind it. You know, who knows what would have happened if it had actually come out the way we expected it to, you know? But, but the fact that there is this whole great backstory now, I think has given the movie a life that it, uh, that it, you know, is just absolutely unique and, and part of the reason why we're still talking about it, you know, what, 25 years later or whatever. It was yeah, Christmas, I it was don't Christmas see Michael Chiklis hanging out here. It was Christmas 25 years ago. <laughs> oh, was You're it? You're right, brother. Yeah. yeah. 
Christmas time, 25 years ago. Mm. How lovely. Wow. So Rebecca will look at that. Re- Rebecca will look at that found footage when she finally looks at it and she'll say, oh, who, are those good, who are those good looking guys? <laughs> I did make I did make a Chris card of Dr. Doom with my wife and it said Merry Christmas. And I had a, I had a shot from the set. And that was very our, cool, man. Yeah. So I have that. Somewhere. Merry Christmas from the Dooms. All right, boys, <laughs> girls. Merry Christmas. I'm, I'm signing off. Merry Christmas to you all. Thanks so much for putting us together. It's always a great pleasure, but it takes courage for you uh, radio hosts to have us on. Thank you very much. <laughs> the pleasure is all ours. ours. We appreciate you coming Thank in. Thank you. Thank you. See you, Alex. Yeah, Alex. God bless, guys. Hey, Alex. 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 Merry Christmas, Merry Alex. Christmas. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So, I guess my next question. Movie gets shelved. Every rendition afterwards has not been as successful. Do y'all think there's been sort of like with the Cubs until they won the World Series, that there may be a slight curse with the franchise? And now with the merger of Fox and Disney, that might go away. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, a really wild answer on that just very quickly. There's a theory, and it's called systems theory, and and it means uh, there's a lot of rules about systems, and everything is a system. Nature, movies, everything is a system. This movie is the progenitor of all other Fantastic Four movies, right? It's the first one. There's a law in systems theory, and that is this. If you do not honor the one who started the thing, whether it's the method, the the story, the material, you don't honor that. Everything after that doesn't work out. It's not successful. Now, now we can measure and say, well, look, those were multi-million dollar films. They certainly were successful to some degree, but not not in the way they hope. Mm-hmm. And I could I want to say that it's because our film is secreted away. It's because it's being repressed in some way that those films are not successful. So that's the system theory. Uh-huh. Interesting. I, I buy what Joseph good, says because you think point. all the other successes that Marvel has had, why can they not get this one right, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm in agreement with Joseph. I think... <laughs> What about that? They've had success on all the other titles, but not yeah. that. There, and he's yeah. reading almost from his audition for Jurassic Park for the role of Dr. Ian Malcolm. I'm, t- I'm telling y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's there's a, uh, as a, there's a speaking of Disney, there's an urban legend or, or you call it an urban legend about the Haunted Mansion where uh, every day you're, the, the cast members are supposed to go out and put a, a rose on the grave of Master Gracie, the, the tombstone. And if you don't put that out there. The ride does not work well the entire day. Uh, <laughs> there it is. Oh. Hadn't heard and that so, one. so you know, I am so totally online with your with your theory there. Yeah, yeah. If you don't, it's like you're not honoring the grandfather. Something isn't oh, right. Yeah. Family. Yeah. In yeah. The, yeah. It's like the guy. Even I, I, I know. Yeah. There are stories. Many stories about that. You know, that things you don't know what, hey, you know what hey, I, I had some other information in regards to what was happening with Constantine and you know look they were in a small well not a small company but they weren't a Hollywood company mm-hmm. and they came in to Hollywood and wanted to make you know an impression they were rich enough and smart enough or whatever to get the rights to the Fantastic Four franchise but they were still outside Mm. And they they wanted to 
you know, I guess appease or make good with the studios or be friendly, whatever it is. I, yeah. I just got the feeling that, and I, I don't want to give away everything again once from what I had learned from talking in, in confidence about yeah. this. But, sure. you know, it was like they were just like anybody. You come to Hollywood and it's Hollywood and you, you want to do something yeah. big and it's 20th Century Fox. Yeah. And who's got the biggest, excuse me, Rebecca, for saying this, but who's got the biggest balls on the block? And it wasn't the guys like she, from, no. from Germany. It was the guys in Hollywood. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and sure. so so what were they up against? They they that's they maintained whatever they could. But once again, the, the studio knows better if you've never worked at a studio. I've yeah. been through the same thing with Disney with my film with Disney. Oh, they know better. And I'm not going to name names, but the guy who was there at the time, who was head of the studio, he knew better and released the film at a bad time. But that's and I was like, OK, well, they must know more than I know because they're the big studio. So these guys, on, on to, to you know what these guys went through is, hey, the same thing. Yeah. Even though they were making films in in Germany and doing big stuff, they had the rights to the Fantastic Four. But nonetheless, they were working with 20th Century Fox. Wow, this is it. We're in Hollywood. These are the big boys. Let's do what the big boys tell us to do. Yeah, that's and it. And what they did was screwed it up. Yeah. And they miscast it. They had, I'm sorry, they 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 just all the filmmakers involved didn't and it goes back to what we said in the beginning they didn't have the passion for it it was just another hollywood vehicle you know and a franchise vehicle with a bunch of you know you know executives who didn't didn't come from this world who are calling the shots making the decisions and they ruined it they yeah. ruined the franchise yeah. and that's and the fans know it the fans are not stupid those people are people that are dedicated to these comic books going back to the Shrine Auditorium story, they would have ate my ass for lunch if I didn't have Joseph and Jay and Alex and the actors and Rebecca and everybody there and Carl and everybody that knew those characters inside and out because we were under a microscope by the fans and the fans dictate the success and the studios didn't get it and they thought they could just throw the Fantastic Four out there with, mm. with whatever the way they wanted to see it and yeah. they screwed it yeah. and well, don't sugarcoat it only let it go buddy you know what I mean they never <laughs> made the movie they never true. and it was disappointing because I would like to have seen them make a better movie than we made yeah and I'm watching the film and I'm going this is the most stiff horribly and, I'm, and I don't like to knock direct because you know I know how tough it is to get it but it wasn't that well directed it wasn't that well written and it certainly was miscast and those people and that they cast didn't come close to what our cast did in this film and yeah. that's why we're still talking about it 23 freaking years later <laughs> there you go I mean, think that's about true. it man right, right 23 right. years right down the line you know why because those guys didn't know what they were doing and the and god bless Bernd. He wanted to be liked and successful in Hollywood, and he was working with a big studio. And it's the same thing. It doesn't matter who you who you are, where you're coming in from, you know, unless you're like Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah, or somebody. But he had a feeling like these were the guys that know how to make movies. So sure. I'm going to let them make the movie. And this is what they ended up with. And that was also part, it was also business, part of the deal. It's like, well, you want to make a movie with us? You don't release that movie. 
There it is. Exactly, Joseph is exactly no, right. That's and it. They, and I don't understand why they just don't take our little film. Yeah. Give us a give us a few million bucks. Redo the special effects like yeah. they could be done today. Oh, oh yeah. And release the and release the movie. Oh yeah. Make a zillion bucks. They'd make so much money on this little film because it's a goddamn it's a cult film. It's like People a know classic this movie. <laughs> that, that's the only way. That's the only way they're gonna fix uh, Joseph's uh, systems idea. I like Joseph's systems <laughs> idea still. You know? So until they release it somehow as a as a, an attachment, a special thing, or whatever. Then they won't have success with four, five, six, seven, whatever. It's like it's like <laughs> the only owning, way to destigmatize like, it. It's like owning the little, you know, the 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 defect in your family or something. It's like oh, gosh, you know? that's it. It's the problem child. We love that problem. Yeah. And so then you accept the problem child. <laughs> Exactly. You know, what? we we were uh, we were unfortunately the fantastic or we were the bastard child. Yeah. And, yep. uh, and that's just the way it is, man. And but you know what? It's I, I wish to God they would just. And I talked to the guys there. I talked to Robert over there at Constantine. I said, man. Yeah. Why don't you guys just yeah. give us two or three million bucks, go into a special effects house, go redo the special effects, and re- and just release the film. You wouldn't need to the fa- and give the fans something. Oh, my God, you could get a digital artist to fix everything. Oh, it's Marvel that has the film, though, correct? Who yeah. knows, man? They supposedly destroyed the negative. Well, that's so why I, I said in my in the Doom documentary, Avi Arad says that, and that's why I call him a ding dong because nobody destroys the no, negative. No, they don't. They no, don't. They just, do that. just, I don't, just I don't do that. Believe that. Yeah. Strong words for that man. That was him. I refuse, just, <laughs> yeah. I refuse to believe that they destroyed the negative. Yeah, I don't believe you, it you either. Would, you just don't do that, man. No. I mean, it's film. No, yeah. if you got anything to do with the film industry. You yeah. protect the negative. You protect film. People spend millions re- restoring uh, old he was, movies. He was just Nobody being a ding dong. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry guys, I had to get on my little diatribe. Well, <laughs> question for you then, Oli. Said it all so clearly. This is great. Well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So here's the question then, and I, I say this to Oli, but really to any of the rest of you as well. If Kevin Feige shows up at your door one day and says, all right, you know what? We want to do Fantastic Four. We want to do it right. We want to do it justice. We want y'all on board for this. <laughs> Are you in? First of all, who, who is his cameos, right? <laughs> In any capacity. I mean, hey, brother, is the sky blue? Yes, of course. <laughs> I would like you to send this podcast to Marvel, to Disney, to Fox, to everyone involved. Disney. Who's going to make more Fantastic Four. Just have them consider. Rebecca could maybe still play Sue Storm, but I think I think the rest of us are doomed. <laughs> no, Joseph is doomed. Joseph's looking pretty good. <laughs> Do I have to put that freaking well, suit hey, look. on? Hey, Joe, yeah, you're so I can't see I look great. pretty good, too. Yeah. <laughs> look, right. look, hey, look, who's got all yeah. of his hair? Yeah. Joe's yeah. got all of his hair. He's okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this time you just need a wig. Uh, That's yeah. it. Although Rebecca's playing moms on the Hallmark Channel now. They should, they should give us funny little cameos. <laughs> yeah, but Rebecca, you're still looking good, babe. Mm-hmm. I'd, 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 I'd take you as a Sue Storm any day. Thank you. I've been dying to ask this question. 
and I'm hoping Carl would oblige. Can you give us that one line, that thing delivers so well? You know, I, I'd be happy to, as long as you know up front that that wasn't me. That was all Mike, Michael Bailey Smith. <laughs> that was all Michael Bailey Smith with my mouth moving, but it's something like, uh, uh, it's clobbering time. Hey. Something like that, right? Pretty good, right? That was good. Yeah. I had a lot of practice in that big thing. You know, I, that's what I did in there all day. I just practiced those lines. Carl, yeah. okay, hey, Carl, I'll say it again, brother. You embody that character. I mean, and Michael Bailey was 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 absolutely brilliant in what he had, he had done. And but, dude, to wear that hot rubber suit <laughs> and just, dude, I, I don't know. I'm just so and that's the, the body language when you were sitting outside in the back of that old that restaurant on the garbage can mm. and you were like so vulnerable, man. You you know, here's this guy who's could 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 tear apart. Of anything, and you were so vulnerable, and you played it so beautifully, man. And uh, you all, know what? And Thank I got to tell you, I think any actor that has to play something in a mask or a suit, and like what Joseph had to do, and use body language and mannerisms and all the little things that you guys did to to make those characters come through. And I, I was the luckiest guy, I'm telling you, to have uh, that level of talent and ability. You know, it's like it goes back to just stuff that people do in, in improv and, and theater, man. Marcel Marceau, you know, it's like a theater. It's you know, not anyway. A, you know, it's like we didn't. We we were, we're not wearing this after Tuesday. Oh man, we had real. Fun. Yeah, we did. We do it. Favorite moment on set for each one of you guys while filming. Huh. I think I'll let the actors start with that one. <laughs> Well, well, let's go backwards, okay? So uh, mine would be uh, crashing through the wall. Mm. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. a good moment. Good crashing moment. through the wall because, you know, uh, you oh. know it's going to make all the trailers. <laughs> so, um, and, that's you know, right, and, brother. That's, a, that's the trailer moment. That's right, you know, and it holds up. And what it does is it, it, it speaks volumes for the, for the character and, yeah. uh, and for the outfit, you know, that they yeah. made um, and special effects. Everything that came together, for me, that was, that was uh, extremely special. Next. Yeah. Well, oh my God, there were so many. I remember, yeah. I remember, you know, just when I was getting fried as as Victor, you know, in the first, <laughs> you know, sequence, and screaming for minutes on end, you know, just wah, you know, that's just not something you get to do every. It's very good for the body, very good for the soul. So a lot of primal screaming was good. Yeah, uh, and then I remember loving to. I was able to. Play. I was able to torture people, which was really kind of delightful. You know, like the way a five-year-old likes to, I don't know what, pull things off of insects. I, <laughs> I remember the, the doctor, uh, Hauptman, playing with him and touching his face and squeezing his neck. And I, I had a whole idea behind that. You won't know what I was working on there, but what I was working on was Chinese medicine. I was palpating him in here and checking the color of his eye. That was so fucking good. That was so good. Doom with no Chinese. And you were doing this and doing all that stuff. It was just so good. I I kept expecting him just to squeeze and just watching the doctor's head go pop like a a cantaloupe or something. Exactly. But that was the that was so that was the beauty of what he was doing because everybody knew that 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 threat was right there the whole time. He could have just popped. 
popped his head, but he was toying with him and doing all that stuff. Was great, well, man. But I was a doctor, and I was examining him. That's what I was doing. <laughs> that was the intention behind it. But, Where so it came from is beautiful. It was just man. a lot of fun that you could play on that edge, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know... Uh, yeah, so those were some of my favorites for sure. I mean, the, the yeah, there was a lot. Uh, I mean, it was the, the day that we were out in the desert, wherever that was, with the spacesuits, you know, after yeah. the auction, we were by the yeah. car, and, you know, the guys come to rescue us that whole day and night mm-hmm. was, was just, that was really special. The scene that I loved doing that just touched me so much, and whenever I see the movie, it's the one, you know, that you had mentioned where, you know, the thing is off and dejected and he comes back and he comes in and Sue runs into his arms and it's so happy and everybody's there and then we do you know the hand thing oh yeah, yeah. That, that scene you go that's really where to me mm. like we were the four mm. you know mm. and that was I just that mm. scene mm. it was so important like for me because I don't even remember blocking it or how we did it but I just remember when he showed up it was just instinct like to run and like jump and like hug him and then the guys come over and it was like everything's gonna be okay and mm. that's just like to me that's just such a, a such a, you know like the biggest part of the movie is like from that point forward you know we're a team and then we go and then you know it's all the action stuff with Doom and so anything that was actiony was fun for me but that was like the turning point mm. and it was just and it was just you know, sweet and emotional and strong all at the same time mm. yes indeed Rebecca but go ahead Jay Jay I, I agree with Rebecca one of the nights that stands out in my mind is the whole day that we filmed uh, in the field there in the hills with the spacesuit stuff, yeah. and uh, and I'll never forget it was inauguration day. It was it was uh, president inauguration day, and then uh, we got out and I'll never forget. I think that's when I, I clued in that okay, the budget is not quite what we thought on this. When I saw these spacesuits, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> these oxygen packs that Velcro on, and but but um, but then we filmed we filmed into the night that night and uh, or one of the nights and and it was there's what Rebecca was talking about the camaraderie too even even in doing the scene around the campfire um, and then I remember uh, just uh, another thing was I just remember being at, at the at the studio in Venice and I remember Rebecca and I bringing games and we were filming late nights and the, the studio's a dive I mean a dive you know ants and cockroaches and and, and and you know you had your dressing room and the stained carpet and stained couches and and we're all just making the best of it you know we're playing games and stuff and just i mean it was it wasn't like being on a film set with a bunch of uh i don't know it, it was just like hanging out with your pals it really was yeah and then uh and then I think the last thing I remember, well, I remember a lot. I remember Oli's pep talk at his house. That really stands out in my mind. That oh, set the tone God. for everything. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. And right before that, I remember uh, feeling like Spike Lee in, in Malcolm X when he gets his he, his head burns from from uh, the, the dying of his hair. Because when I went in to get my hair dyed, that's what happened. My scalp started burning when they were putting the peroxide oh, yeah. and they had to take oh, it God. out. Yeah. And I literally had sores all over my, oh, my, <laughs> my head after the first uh, 
after the first round of die jobs. So there you go. <laughs> That's memorable. Well, yeah. You know, uh, going back to well, look, there were a lot of great moments. Yeah, there and were. Every day when I would see what was happening, I just felt so thrilled and excited that it was all coming together. But to what Rebecca had said earlier, I was thinking about this, and and it wasn't because it was the best scene in the movie or the most exciting scene in the film, but for me, it was that moment when I it, it was uh, Sue Storms. That was your mom, right? The mm-hmm. old the, the the woman at the house. Yeah, uh-huh. and she, she says, "Look at you, the Fantastic Four. Boom, that right there. That was that, a cool moment. I was there on the set, and yeah. she goes. Yeah, and, and everybody went to the door and they stopped and she says, look at you. Yeah. She said, the Fantastic Four. And it yeah. was like that day, <laughs> I, I just remember they gave me a little chill thinking, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's yeah. true. This is like, we're really doing this and it yeah. is the Fantastic Four. Well, and well, hearing and, and you... it, was like, it was it was like an embodiment of the characters yeah. that were to, were, were to be and to become. And yeah. knowing the script and knowing the story and seeing them and that particular moment in time with that prophetic line from her to saying, look at you, the Fantastic Four. And it's always great to, for me, it's always wonderful if you, if you if you hear a line in a movie that is essentially the title of the film or the theme of the film, you know, it just, it just, it, I don't know. I remember that day doing it at that house. And it yeah, gave me a, it was over there by it, USC, it, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, I don't remember exactly what neighborhood, yeah. but it gave me a chill, Somewhere man, there. that day. I just remember it giving me a chill, and I was just thought, wow. Yeah. Well, I know really cool. when I saw that scene for the first time, I'm like, okay, this, this is where, this was one of those scenes that helped me solidify Yes, you guys got the source material right because mm-hmm. that line, Loki, there is the Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. is so yeah, Stan Lee esque. Yeah, yes. exactly, brother. It's almost like the the writers went to Stan Lee and go, "What would you have her say?" Exactly. I mean, so, what else could she say? She couldn't good. say anything else. It was it was meant to be. It was so organic and so right at the moment. And and it, you know, it's big. And it's sort of like a, almost, you know, overt, but in this film and in the context of what it's all about, those, that was just, they, they were just great words, you know? I know it's not Shakespeare and any of that stuff, but when you're talking about the Fantastic Four and them coming together as a team and a group and knowing what I said is going to happen in the future to them. It's just, I don't know that. But it's sorry, all, guys. I'm just, I'm getting a little enough. emotional, but <laughs> Ole, it was just it's a, a very positive. How you, how you made you the know? film, which I always said, it's like the, the brilliance of the film to me is how you made it like the joy and the fun and mystery. And it has that. It's like lines yeah. like and moments like that. And the way you frame stuff, it just, I, it was the perfect way to do it, especially for the budget that we had. It was yeah, like well, thank you, this celebration of the promise. Yeah. And that's why it was. I mean, yeah. It was a it was a passion for all of us, no doubt about it. But anyway. Yeah. Well that was my moment. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, are we full? I don't think I've ever talked oh. about it or thought about it until this been until right now, so it's kind of interesting, but mm-hmm. <laughs> Glad to be able to ask that question of you guys. Yeah. Uh, Kylan, Eric, any final questions? Dude, these people are answering my questions before I can even ask them. I mean, it's just like, you know, hey, guys, start talking. And it's like, well, I was going to, oh, no, you just answer that. Uh, Or how about, 
Oh, yeah, you just answered that, too. So this has been great because this is us just sitting back and we're we're like Michael Jackson with the popcorn and the meme. We're just like watching and, and enjoying yeah. all of y'all talk about this because we are, too. You, you know what we should do? <laughs> Seriously, we should get us all together and we should do one of those deals where you watch the movie and you talk about it, for the you know, like the special feature kind of thing. Yes. You watch it, talk about it as it goes. That's what we do should that, do. We do should that totally on the 25th anniversary. Anniversary edition. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There you and go. you got to do like Mystery that. Science Theater 3000 that's because it, hey, it is a Corman movie. What it was, that's what it was called. I couldn't remember what it was called. Actually, <laughs> if we do it, we should, we should change it up. The MMGT 3K Mighty Marvel Geeks Theater 3000. Well done. Right. Okay. I, I, I'm like, I'm going to argue that. I, I, really? <laughs> no, hey, no but that, this if, is. Uh, those guys do have a lot of practice and they write out all that stuff actually they do it and then they write it so we might want to think about it well you know if you guys are ever do consider that you're looking Mm -hmm. for people we will be honored to come help host that with you guys we'll we'll be involved in whatever rehearsals are necessary to make that happen all right all right so we've taken up a lot of y'all's time we thank you guys for being on um what upcoming projects can we look forward to we know rebecca's going to be appearing uh in january on hallmark channel with uh her december december christmas bells are ringing see one of us was paying attention <laughs> i was going to get there too but, but she's got her the, the she chronicle can, mysteries yes. start in february or march uh, okay. okay all right okay. And, oh, I've got a film coming out um, April 12th, I think, called Breakthrough, which is awesome. a true story that uh, took awesome. place in awesome. a kid that falls through the ice. Oh, yeah. And he's dead for an hour. He's oh, dead. I just saw a trailer oh, for that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. that happening. True story. Brilliant. It's a true story, right? Yeah, with Chrissy Metz from This Is Us and Topher Grace. Oh, my and, God. Uh, yeah, so that's coming Good out. Good people, April. man. Awesome. Congratulations. Wow. Awesome. Thank you. Well, right, right now, I will plug that uh, my my film, Welcome to the Men's Group, which I wrote, directed, and co-starred in, has just been released on VOD. Thank you, sir. Great uh, film. It's a great film, too. Street, and it's on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon. So welcome right on, to the Men's brother. Group. Go get it now. It's an incredible film, if I may say so, about the inner life of men and, and in, the, in, the, in the era of me too and everything men need you know a little vulnerability that's what the film's about um go check it out it's yeah. a great movie very cool it is a great movie thank you sir jay coming soon to a pulpit near you you can come come see me <laughs> yeah, right every sunday morning yeah. A steady gig. The occasional, the occasional student film. One of my sons, two of my sons are in college in Los Angeles, and one's in the film program. And so, a buddy of mine runs it. So, when he invites me down to do student films, so I go down and do student films. They actually end up on your IMDb page and all that. Very cool. Man. <laughs> they take it very seriously. Well, yeah. I'm hoping to have. Um, I've been working for years, and I've turned it into a, a, a limited uh, six-part. TV lim- uh, TV limited series about the uh, life of Louis Armstrong. Wow. Nice. Fantastic. We've got a few really good people out there in L.A. looking at it, and we'll see it. But I, I'm trying to get it turned into a limited television series, and it's pretty awesome, man. People oh, don't man. know... 
There's a whole story about Louis Armstrong yeah. that people don't know about. Oh, God. And what he went yeah. through. And, in, I mean, you know, and, and where he finally got respect in 1957 for speaking out against the Little Rock Nine incident. And mm. it's a, it's just an incredible story. So mm. Now, you're a musician, too, as well. Am I, uh, yes, I right? am. I play guitar. You bet. Yeah. And I got to get, in fact, I've gotten together with my old band down here in New Orleans. And we have a gig on December 29th. All right. Hey. Awesome. Yeah, man, we're recording in a studio and and just having a great time playing music, you know. Really? It's a lot of fun. Holy, I was down in, in uh, Louisiana in October at the Lake Charles Film Festival. Uh, oh, my you know that gosh, film festival man. Well. The hell are you doing? I didn't even know they had a Lake Charles. Festival. Yeah, in fact, I'm going to get you to be their guest because they bring a guest in every year. And, and oh, uh, brother, that would and be so, great, man. So you'd be great. You, you, they were, they were a great group of people. Yeah, it was so fun. Cool, man. And we screened yeah. Doomed. We screened Doomed. Wow, you did! Wow. Yeah. Oh, excellent, man. <laughs> oh my God. So, Carl, I think you. Yeah. Last yeah, month. Carl. Uh, you oh, know, man. I uh, I I continue my career. Uh... Thank you so much. Stop, <laughs> oh. brother. I don't see your picture up here, so I come. <laughs> There we go. Uh, All right, he's I, back. Uh, okay, I uh, uh, coordinated. Uh, it's not coordinated on a. Yeah, I'm around here. Um, uh, there's a picture coming out this year called "Rock Paper Dead," uh, uh, directed by Tom Holland of uh, Chucky fame, and uh, starring Luke McFarlane, Marie McCormick, Michael <laughs> Madsen, cool. Tate O'Neill. So, um, so oh, I yeah. guess that's how yeah, I. Man. Yeah, that's how I um, continue my career. I've got half a dozen pictures that I did in the last couple of years that should be coming out you never know you know not as not as famous as the fantastic four but um, <laughs> nothing, but, is. nothing will be nothing see no, and, and no, like no, said, no. they won't they won't be sitting here 25 years from now talking about the second or third one that's for sure <laughs> Isn't the damn truth brother yeah <laughs> well i think i'm gonna wrap it up there it was this hey. was great having the t- fantastic four meet the intrepid trio or vice versa <laughs> this collaboration was great thank you guys for coming on and definitely any of y'all are welcome back anytime thank you great. Yeah, yeah, love to hear from you guys thank you man it's a great opportunity to get everybody together yeah love everybody I literally love all you guys I love you guys right back at you Oli yep. I mean, yep. so much to me and I'm telling you man absolutely you brought us together you guys it's a, it's a phenomenon and we're all living it and uh, we just send this podcast yeah. to all every, anyone who's going to make a Marvel film and remind them yeah was yeah, this going on live or, or no is it, is it for another later date <laughs> this will